Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Inside the Asperger Studios. Today on the show, do you have ASD or ADHD or even both of them? Do you have problems with distractions and focus? Well, my next guest, Jeremy Nagel, talks about an app he created called Focus Bear. We also talk about what it was like for him to go from relationship into relationship until he found his wife, and what it was like for him to go from job to job until he found his current job. So sit back, relax, and grab your favorite beverage, and I'll see you on the other side. See you there. Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Asperger Studios. Today on the show, I'm joined with Jeremy Nagel, all the way down from Australia. Welcome to the show, Jeremy. Thanks, Reid. Great to be on the show. So why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself? Sure. I'm 34 years old, live in Melbourne. I only recently got formally diagnosed with ASD and also ADHD, but it's something that I've, I had suspected since I was a teenager. I had a pre-assessment done about seven years ago, but I couldn't afford the actual formal assessment. So it's been interesting going through that process. I got diagnosed formally mid last year and I mean, I haven't made major life changes. I think for me, it's been a process over the, the last 15 years of a lot of masking and a lot of learning coping mechanisms I had a, a bit of a, a difficult transition after high school. I found it very difficult to hold down a job and difficulty with relationships and, and general life functioning. But things are pretty good now. I'm married, I've got a good job, and generally happy with where I'm at in my life. Grateful right. to be in that situation. So you were diagnosed late or middle last year. Hmm. When you were diagnosed, what did that do for you? Did that like open up a whole other world of why I'm acting the way I do? In a way, but because I had suspected it for so long, because basically probably since I was 16, I realized that, well, one of my cousins got diagnosed and I was thinking, I'm a bit like him. There might be something, there might be a reason why I really struggle to make friends and struggle in social situations. 
because I had always felt like I was a couple of years ahead of my peers in terms of schoolwork and a couple of years behind them in terms of my ability to fit into a, a social environment. Probably not as much of a problem in primary school, where I think most kids are a bit dorky and it, I had my peer group, but when people started wanting to have little boyfriend-girlfriend relationships, I wasn't ready for that. I was still too afraid of girls by the time I was 12 that I, I couldn't talk to them. It was only probably until I was 15 that I could actually have a conversation with a woman or a, a girl. And that's probably indicative of the, the struggles that I had, that I could play basic games with other kids. I mean, in primary school, it's a lot of you know, kicking balls around, playing chase, those sort of things. I can do that without problems. But games where it's a lot more social, that's where I struggled. And in terms of what it has opened up for me, I haven't really had any formal workplace changes. I think the biggest one for me is that I'm very lucky with my job that I can work from home because I find it very, very challenging to be in an office environment all day. It's that that issue of the, the stimulation of having so many conversations around me. I find it very hard to focus if other people are talking and just the, the need to mask, the need to try and fit in. I love that I can work from home and I don't have to deal with that kind of pressure. All right. <laughs> Now, I've read that you said you've gone through a lot of relationships and a lot of breakups. How did you handle that? I mean, because I know for me personally, break, dealing with a breakup is hard enough. How did you deal with it? Mm. Yeah, I mean, when I say a lot, I've had maybe five relationships in my life, so not not a huge number, but it it, it is, I find it really, really hard to deal with in two ways. One is that it's, say my first relationship, it was a, a really special thing for me. I was, I think, 25 years old at that point, and I'd, I'd never had a relationship with a woman before that, and it felt like a really big deal for me. And I was very disappointed when, after six months, it basically fell apart that we just, I don't know, it, but she had other priorities in her life and maybe I was just not the, the right fit for her. I say it's challenging in two ways. One, because I just found it very emotionally destabilizing that I, I felt very strongly for her and then to have her pull away was very, very hard. But the other thing was that I almost judged myself for my, my grieving process, which was very short. I felt like I, I snapped out of it quite quickly within maybe a week and I just moved on and mm. I, I got busy with other things. And I, I feel bad about that in a way that other people, it might affect them for a lot longer. And it reminded me a bit of when my grandfather died when I was about 17 and other people were crying and I felt a little bit sad, but I, I didn't experience emotions mm. the same way as they did. So I guess I, I judged myself for, for not experiencing emotions in the, the same depth as other people. Well, you're not in the, well, you're not alone there, Jeremy. I mean, I mm. feel felt the same way you did. 
my mm. father had passed away in 2017 and at the funeral where everyone was sad and crying i couldn't even phantom a tear i had almost forced myself to cry mm. so i mean i believe all of us on the spectrum one way or another deal with emotions so differently mm. yeah yeah, and I, I, I find for me there were also potentially coping mechanisms that I have used that in some ways smother emotions a little bit. So I had issues around the time of my grandfather's death with a lot of binge eating mm. and a lot of exercise bulimia as well. And I think I was basically using that as a, a coping mechanism to push down the emotions. Mm. Even, I mean, I, I've improved in that regard i i no longer use those coping mechanisms i've i've learned some better ones but even with that i i think it wouldn't be hugely different today i i don't know that i yeah I, i'm relatively stonewallish when it comes to to people's to deaths and to breakdowns and things like that or to breakups i mean and maybe that's a good thing in some ways that I can remain functional and I should just not judge myself for being that way. Now, do you still mask or do you not mask anymore? But, well, I, I, I do when I am in an environment where I have to, or that I feel that I have to, but because I, I don't work around other people and I don't tend to socialize that much either. I don't have to mask that much and with my with my wife she's pretty accepting of me i the ways that so my my steam stimming behaviors are probably most evident when i'm working i might make weird facial expressions and do weird things with my hands probably links with the adhd symptoms as well i tend to fidget a lot and i i'm grateful that I don't have to worry about people watching me. I can, mm -hmm. when I'm working, I have the door closed and I can concentrate and I, I do whatever I need to do <laughs> to pay attention. But I did find it very hard when, say pre-pandemic, when I was working in an office environment, I did feel that people may be judging me and watching me. And I worried a little bit about that. So it's way better working from home. Now, how many jobs did you have? I've had a lot, especially at the start of my career, because I basically, I graduated from university. I had had a job prior to that, a part-time job, but then after university, I essentially blew up that job and I, I blew up a few other jobs after that. I'll go into that in a bit more detail, but essentially that last job, I, I said things in a way to my manager that he didn't like and he didn't quite fire me but he didn't give me any shifts after that and then i ended up freelancing for a while which involved having many many clients i probably had the equivalent of 20 different jobs mm. and a lot of them ended some of them ended explosively. There were a few where the client basically threatened to, to sue me because they weren't happy with my work. Most of them were fine, but it, it was in some ways freelancing was good for me and bad for me. Good for me because it meant I could work from home and I could work in a way that I wanted to work. 
I was working as a, a software developer, even though I didn't have a qualification in that. It's just something that I had picked up as a, a, a way of learning to, to write cheat codes for RuneScape when I was a teenager. <laughs> and I was, yeah, it was a, a cool way to be able to leverage those skills. But then, yeah, I had some situations where I think my ADHD kicked in with the freelancing. I just, I never said no to a freelance project. So I, uh, I did very good work for the first couple of clients and then they referred me to other people. And then suddenly I had about 20 clients and wow. I'm, I'm trying to hire people to help. And I, I wasn't managing it well. So I ended up delivering projects late and there were quality issues and it was all not a very good situation. And there were financial consequences to that as well that the, my clients didn't pay and I had to pay my subcontractors. It all turned into a big mess. So I ended up, I eventually just got a normal job and that was actually much better for a while. Though actually, sorry, I'll, I'll go back one other, I'll just explain two massive failures in my career before I actually stabilized a bit. The first one was when I was freelancing, one of my clients wanted me to become a permanent employee, which was good for a while, but then that was a startup and they raised some money. And then I was expected to be the CTO and I had to go to board meetings and I <laughs> had to really have quite high levels of executive functioning, which I didn't have. And the reason I got fired was because there was a board meeting and I was about 10 minutes late to that meeting, which doesn't seem like a, a huge deal, but it really mattered for my co-founder. She felt like it was indicative of the way I was behaving everywhere that I was often late with showing up to meetings. I was late with my work and she just didn't feel like she could trust me anymore. And I got fired from that, which was yeah, very destabilizing. And then another job, <clears throat> the, the first job that I got fired from there, I think that was more the ADHD symptoms that caused it in terms of always trying to fit in one more thing before I would leave for an appointment. The other job was more of the autistic traits where I had a, a massive personality clash with my manager. I was doing this training program. We went to India. I was over there in an unfamiliar environment, massive overstimulation, and I, I didn't really cope well with that. And I, what got me fired was I, there was this training around how to give feedback and it was all about, you have to give feedback in person. You have to be very careful and you're meant to tell the other person something that they did well. And then you tell them something that they should improve. But I, I skipped that part. I sent my manager some, some feedback via email. And I also BCC'd a, another intern and then she found out that I had BCC'd him and she didn't like that at all. Felt like that I wasn't going to be a good consultant, that I, I wasn't diplomatic enough, that I was giving feedback in a, a harsh way. And she didn't think that that would be suitable for a consulting role. So I got fired from that. And yeah, not fun, but a lot of learnings through both those experiences. And I, I basically learned that consulting isn't for me. 
and probably freelancing isn't for me either. I ended up getting roles after that, working just as a, a normal software developer, working for companies where it was a lot less pressure and I enjoyed it a lot more. I was able to build up my technical skills and that made it a lot easier. Because I think... Uh, oh, sorry, you go. developed a messaging software called Smooth Messenger and then mm. you sold it. What was yeah, that, that experience like? Yeah, that that was a... It was a, a big journey. It was something that I had been doing on the side. I'd had jobs as a software developer for about five years and I had kept a little bit of the freelancing going where I was specializing in one type of software called Zoho and they have a CRM system and I ended up building some plugins for Zoho CRM including this SMS integration. It was something that I was doing on my own. I didn't expect it to turn into anything but it started to pick up a lot of customers and then Last year, almost a year ago, I went through the process of selling it where the, the company became large enough that it was actually interesting for a larger company who wanted to have a presence in the Zoho marketplace. And so they, they ended up reaching out to me on LinkedIn, asked me if I'd be interested in selling it. And then there was a, a long process with lawyers and accountants. I'm glad that I had support going through that because it was not something that I would have been able to do on my own, particularly the negotiation process, not something that I'm skilled in, but and, ended up going through. And then you started writing Focus Bear. Yeah. So Focus Bear, I basically built it to help me with my ADHD symptoms. Some of the, the challenges that, that I have are around maintaining focus on tasks that I don't find especially thrilling. I can relate to something you were saying in a, an earlier episode of the show. I was listening to the one, I forget her name, but the woman who is doing a PhD in archaeology, and you were mm -hmm. talking about at university, finding it hard to concentrate on lectures. And I can definitely relate to that. Lectures or listening to meetings, I find that very hard to, to actually stay on track. Or if there's a task, say even programming tasks, sometimes I, I can get off track and I can end up going and reading the news or going on Reddit, things like that. And then I, I don't get my work done. So I wanted an app that would block distractions. And there's a lot around. I mean, there's Freedom and Cold Turkey, apps like that, but I wanted it to be a bit more nuanced. And I also wanted it to have a habit feature because I find that the autistic part of me craves routine and the ADHD side doesn't like routine. But I, I really do much better if I have a consistent morning routine. So I find if I, if I do exercise in the morning, if I meditate, if I journal, and if I do some housework, then my day tends to be much better for the rest of the day. So I ended up building Focus Bear to help me with morning routines and also blocking distractions. It's basically, it does, it blocks distractions on my computer and also on my phone. And it does the, the morning routine also on all my devices. So I found that really helpful for myself just in having a, a lot more consistency with my morning routine and a lot more productivity as well. All right. Now let's go back to your wife for a minute. How did mm. you meet her? 
And how does she handle you with your ASD and ADHD? Hmm. I met her on eHarmony about, we met six years ago and then we got married three years or so ago. In terms of how she, how she copes, in some ways, the, the ASD side of it, it, I don't find it that bad with her because she, she's not, how do I put it? She's, she's not someone who has high social needs herself. She, she used to be an accountant and I think she's pretty happy having conversations with me where they're quite nerdy conversations and our interests are quite aligned in terms of we both like outdoors activities. We like going for walks. We like cycling. We like going for runs and we, neither of us have a huge desire to spend a lot of time with other people in terms of needing to, to go out and socialize all the time. So we're quite compatible in that way. The parts where maybe it's a bit challenging for her, it's probably more of the ADHD symptoms where I do things, I'm, I'm very bad with cooking. I often burn pots and because mm-hmm. I'll, I'll start cooking and then I'll have this idea and I'll go into another room and I'll forget that I'm cooking and then I'll end up running back into the kitchen because I smell something burning. And she, she doesn't like that. I'm now ba- banned from using fry pans. I'm allowed to cook <laughs> only if I use a device that has a timer on it and that cuts itself off after it when it's actually ready to cook. So I can use a rice <laughs> cooker, I can use a steamer, and I can use my special egg cooker, but nothing else. That's wow. one accommodation. <laughs> and then... The other part that she finds challenging is, and I guess this is a, an ASD trait that sometimes I get really absorbed in my special interests or in my work. Mm-hmm. And then focus. Yeah, exactly. And then I, I forget to spend time with her and I, I don't anticipate her needs. For example, last Monday, she was starting a new job. And I think most husbands would remember that the first day of a new job is quite stressful and their partner could probably benefit from extra support on that day. But I just got wrapped up in what I was doing and she got a little bit upset that I, I didn't think of her and didn't anticipate that maybe I could make her lunch for her that day, something like that. But you know, we've had conversations around that where I'm quite transparent saying that I want to do those things for you, but I need reminders. So just tell me and I also, that's part of focus bear as well that I I have as part of my morning routine. I have an an activity in there, go and do something nice for my wife. And I have an activity, go and clean the kitchen in the morning because she finds it difficult if I have left. I mean, it's really both our responsibility, but if we haven't cleaned up enough in the evening and she gets into the kitchen in the morning and she wants to cook her breakfast, she finds that uncomfortable. So I try and now I've got an activity to remind me to do some housework in the morning. And that's been much better. Have you looked into something like Timo? I've never heard of that. I'll have to. Timo is a, it's an integrated app that helps. It's a visual calendar. Mm. I've been using it and you can create routines with it. You create the root calendar on your computer and then you pay for it and then you can use it on your phone and it sets up reminders for you. 
Mm-hmm. And you can tell it this uh, this activity is going to start late, start early, and end or end early. Mm, okay. And it's got like a thousand routines and different things you can create, different icons for your routines. Interesting. So I mean, is it T I M O? T I I M O. Great. I'll I'll look at T-I-I-M-O that. T I I M O A P P dot com. Okay. I'll take a look. It it sounds a bit similar to what Focus I've built Bear. with Focus Fair, but it, I'd like to yeah like to know about other apps because sometimes they can be complementary. I, I find that there are some things that don't really fit well into because basically with Focus Fair it's consecutive. I do one activity after the other and it starts at a certain time and continues. But there are other. There are other activities where I need a different type of reminder. And I, I haven't quite mastered that. There are, are things, for example, where, for example, taking my supplements, I, I don't have a, a good reminder system for that. I still haven't really figured out precisely how to do that. I've had post-it notes on my olive oil container, for example, to help me remember, but maybe I should try Timo. It, it might be just a different addition could help me as mm-hmm. well. Now, do you, how does your wife deal with your non-filtering or are you more casual with monitoring it when you're around her so you know not to flip? Non-filtering, I find it, it can be an issue for her. I can be harsh. I think that's where I have issues in the workplace as well. I actually just had a performance review yesterday with my boss and that was feedback from my boss that people feel that I'm technically very strong, but that I am too blunt to the point of hurting their feelings. And I can be like that with my wife as well, where I I don't intend for my comment to to be mean, but it can come out that way sometimes. And that is an area that I'm trying to work on. Yeah, she can be a bit like that as well. And I think what normally happens is sometimes we're both tired and then maybe she'll say something that I find a little bit critical and then I say something that I don't think is that bad and then she takes it much more. It it hurts her a lot more than I thought it would. So I'm trying to trying to work on that. I'm following there's a a program from the Gottman Institute where they talk about it's not necessarily for people with ASD, but they talk about general traits of couples that are happy together. And one of them is unconditional positive regard and trying to phrase things in a way where it's not harsh at all, that it's very gentle talking like you would to a child. And I can do that when I'm calm and I'm not overstimulated. But when I'm stressed at times like that, then I don't feel too well. Mm. I think that's how all we, all of us feel when we get stressed, mm. our mind, we begin to slip, the monitoring mm. stops and all of a sudden something slips up and then we, we're like, oh shit, I just said this. And, mm. and then we have to backtrack and apologize to whoever we said it to. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm grateful that my wife is understanding around that. And we, yeah, but 
what I try and do, uh, one thing I like in the Gottman Institute coursework is they talk about just trying to overcompensate the other way that trying to be super nice the rest of the time. And then if I'm occasionally a little bit harsh, at least the rest of the time, my wife feels like I'm, I'm really kind to her and really loving and that I've, I've done a lot of, I've made breakfast for her and I've, I've spent a lot of time with her in the evening and listened to her and that in some ways compensates for it. Now, you said you were diagnosed with both ASD and ADHD at the same time. Mm. When you got diagnosed with ADHD, did they put, suggest you take a certain medicine like Adderall or anything to help it? No, I, I've only been diagnosed by a psychologist who can't prescribe medication. And I'm quite worried about the idea of taking medication purely because I, I have self-prescribed via online pharmacies before I, I took modafinil at one stage when I was in university and I, I found the, the heart symptoms that I had from that. I had major heart palpitations. I, I didn't enjoy that and I, I had other symptoms. And I know that I, I wasn't dosing it correctly and that if I worked with a psychiatrist, it wouldn't be the same. But I just, at this stage... I'm coping all right, and I'm I'm just trying to focus on the the non medical interventions. I've been reading ADHD 2.0, where they talk about interventions around exercise and sleep and meditation and potentially balance exercise as helping. And I do find that, especially exercise and sleep, they really assist with my ability to focus. Mm -hmm. And right now. I'm performing okay in my job. I'm sometimes still running late for appointments, but I'm getting better at that. I've also built an app around punctuality to help myself with that, <laughs> where it, it does verbal reminders because I just I don't do well with visual reminders. So my my basic idea is I'm just I'm trying to find non medic non medication interventions that will help me get to a point where I can cope quite well. Now, how does Australia deal with ASD? Are there resources right now that are helping you? Australia, I think, is actually probably on the leading edge of ASD treatment. In one of our states, we actually have an autism minister, which is amazing. Oh, wow. You'd think that, I mean, mental health is a big priority here in general, but in South Australia, autism is the, the leading contributor to someone being on our national disability insurance scheme, where we've got this program, which I think is probably quite good compared to other countries where you can get a lot of support and it's not dependent on your, your household having high income or anything like that. If you're a child with ASD, then you might get a, a special, I forget the name for it, but basically a teaching assistant who is there in school with you, who will help you to be able to cope at school. And for adults, if you have ASD level two, then I believe you can get a fair bit of support. I'm level one, I'm on the probably high functioning end. So it's unlikely that I'll get any government support. I don't know that I particularly need it at this stage. I, I think I'm I'm coping all right, but I, I think for people who are who need a bit more support, there is a, a lot of support available. For example, my my cousin, 
he i've got a couple of cousins who i i think have asd and one of them did aba and he that was probably 15 years ago that he did it there wasn't the national disability insurance scheme at that point so his parents had to spend a lot of money i think we're we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars and that's just not affordable for most families but now as part of the NDIS, that's, I don't know that ABA is available, but definitely therapy is available and ways of getting additional support are available for most families. Yeah, yeah I've heard lots of stories about people who say that Australia has got the best um, autism, ASD support out there that people are literally getting up and moving out to Australia just because oh, really? of the support they have. Wow. Well, I'm proud to be Australian now that you said <laughs> that. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't diagnosed till my late, officially diagnosed until my late 50s. <laughs> and we still don't have the best resources out here to help. Mm-hmm. I mean, all the other countries are better off than we are, so we're behind the wheel or behind the ball right now. Mm. Yeah, sorry to hear about that. <laughs> so what advice would you give to those who are trying to make it on their own who have ASD at the moment? I think for me, uh, career feels like a, a big part of it that when I, prior to being able to get a normal job, I found a lot of things very difficult due to financial instability. And that I think that that compounds a lot of other challenges. And if it's possible to, to find a job that's compatible with ASD symptoms, I, I think working from home, a job that allows that makes it much easier in terms of not having to mask as much and being able to do more online meetings rather than face-to-face meetings. I think if if it's possible to find a profession that is going to align with your interests and skills and is going to have those accommodations where you're not expected to work from the office, that may help a lot. And it's probably massive stereotype to work as a programmer, but I think it, it tends to be, from what I've read, there's a lot of people who are on the spectrum who work in tech. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's a, a relatively good industry to look at if someone is looking for a, a place to work that's gonna to have good that's going to have good accommodations. I tell you, I mean, I'm pretty impressed with the fact that you taught yourself how to program without going to school or anything. I mean, that's pretty impressive. I think it's it's probably just the motivation and the hyper focus there that I loved RuneScape. I was obsessed with playing that game. But <laughs> my fingers were getting sore because basically the motivation was that when you play RuneScape, at least the old version, you had to click on things a lot. So if you want to mine coal, you have to click on it. And sometimes if you click on it, you don't get any coal and it's really boring. So there was this whole community around writing bots that would click for you. And then you just, you go to sleep. And when you wake up, you've mined a thousand bits of coal. It's just this amazing feeling of progressing in the game and killing chickens and getting feathers without having to do it on your own. So (laughs) I was highly motivated to do that because I loved the game so much that I didn't want to have to do the churn side. 
And it was this peer environment where we were teaching each other how to code because we all wanted to make bots and we'd share the code with each other. And there were some guys there who were a bit older who had done computer science and they'd almost do peer review of our code. That's how I learned originally. And then I, I just built apps for myself after that, things to help me with my study. I was learning German, so I built an app a bit like Anki, if you've used that before, a flashcard app. And then other apps for, for history. And yeah, I did end up doing a little bit at university. I had studied half of a, a computing systems degree. But then after that, I started getting work and it didn't feel like I needed to continue that degree. So you dropped out of uni. Yeah, I mean, I'd already completed one degree. I did environmental science mm. at, at uni, and then I was trying to do two degrees at the same time, and it felt a little bit challenging to do that. Yeah, it's a lot challenging so, considering the coursework and the course level. Yeah. Yeah, but if you want to learn to code, there's a, a lot of resources available now. There's like Code Academy and Free Code Camp and so many mm -hmm. sites like that. But the, the best thing is if you have an app that you want to make that aligns with your own interests, I think that's where the motivation is going to be there to push through the difficulty of yeah, sometimes it can be very frustrating, but if you care enough about it, then you'll move through that frustrating part. No, that, I mean, talking about Coke now brings me to the, my next question. Let's talk a little bit about Focus Bear and how you went about it and what it does and how it can help those out there. Mm. Yeah, well, maybe will it be will it work if I share my screen to to show some of the features? Just um, quickly, or I, otherwise, I can just verbally describe it. Yeah, let's see. Hang on, people. <laughs> uh, where did I go? Uh, here we go. Share screen. Multi-purpose is there. All right. See if you can share your screen. Okay. There you go. Sweet. So I've got Focus Bear running now. And All right. one thing is you can see we're in a call. Say if I go to Facebook, then it'll block it for me. And that's very helpful for <laughs> when I'm trying to focus. And then the same thing, if I go to a, a news website, it'll remind me to, to stay focused. So that's one side of it in terms of blocking distractions. And then the other side, I'm going to have a look at Timo, but maybe it's a little bit similar that I've got my morning routine here where I, I do various things. Like I, I go for a walk in the morning, I remind myself to brush my teeth because I'm not great at self-care activities like that. You're like Tidy me. The kit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then some things that really help with my executive functioning in terms of I review my calendar because otherwise I forget that I have a meeting in the morning and I don't show up to it. And I, I do things like journaling, which helps me to release emotions I do some prayer, some yoga, a, a lot of things here. It's like five hours of activities that I, I try and do in the morning, including some work. And then in the evening, similar kind of deal that I've got, say, to go for a walk and do some Chinese study and yeah, 
lot of lot of things here that I, I go through that give me some structure in my day. And essentially what it does, it, it takes over the whole computer so that I can't get distracted. It shows me one sec, I'll just show a screenshot to say, this is what it looks like. Um, where's that? In the morning, basically my whole computer looks like this. There's, yeah. there's nothing else on the screen and it, and then when I'm doing yoga, for example, uh, or deep breathing, it just shows one activity and it can include a YouTube video so that if I'm doing yoga or exercise, it'll help me to, to go through that. Cause I, I find otherwise, say if I'm doing yoga on my own, I just get bored and I'll move on to something else. But if I can watch a YouTube video, I love it. So I just, the, the way that I came up with the idea originally was that I noticed that to form an exercise habit, I didn't like exercising on my own, but I, I really enjoy doing it if I have a YouTube video to follow. And I basically thought if I could have that same experience where I can see how much time is left and it, I'm not distracted by other things, if I could do that for my entire routine, that would be really powerful for me. And we built the app around that. And then there's, yeah, there's a lot of other features around productivity in, in terms of Pomodoro mode. And we've got an Android app now as well. So it can block distractions on the phone and it has the, the habits on the phone as well. It's been yeah, really helpful for me. And it, it seems like other people with ADHD find it helpful as well. Just the, the routine aspect is something that isn't really there in other apps. Because it, it can also, it can be quite fine-grained where if I want to have a routine activity where I can open certain websites but block other ones, that's one thing that I found missing in other apps that say I, I want to allow myself to use Reddit in the evening but only for 15 <laughs> minutes and then it cuts me off after that. So it's been really so it's, fun building it. So it's sort of like um, Nanny and all the other parenting apps for computers that literally block off websites and and say you're not allowed on this site but more friendlier yeah yeah i think that's a great analogy i had been using parental controls for myself for quite a long time essentially i got my wife to set up a password for my ipad <laughs> and my phone <laughs> using the parental controls. Have I, you tried I, to like bribe her to give you the password? Like, like you really wanted to look up something, but you can't, but you wanted the password. So did you try like, please give it to me. I need it now. <laughs> well, I, sometimes I, I do ask her, I mean, generally the reason I set it up is often actually to to avoid that hyper focus where i'm not giving her enough attention so i've that's part of the motivation that at 7 30 p.m it cuts off my computer and then i'm i go and spend time with her we go for a walk we have a nice conversation i do the dishes in the evening things like that and so if i if i want the password i have to convince her that 
it's almost like saying there must be a really good reason for me to need the computer in the evening because it's basically sabotaging the relationship if I do that. So if there's true. something going really badly at work, like if there's a server meltdown and I legitimately need to use it, then sure, she'll give me the password. But otherwise, I just don't ask because I, I don't want to. I don't want. I, I do. I really enjoy it when I I can spend time with her and I can have time reading a book in the evening, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's pretty good. I'm pretty sure a lot of us out there can use Focus Bear. Now, when you put it up and on Android and Apple, is it a free app or is it a paid app? The right now. It's still in the alpha testing phase, and I'm, mm -hmm. I'm basically giving it away for free for anyone who has ASD or ADHD because I want to help the community. Longer term, it's something that we probably will have a charge for. We're looking at a, a nominal charge, and it will depend on, like, if, if someone doesn't have a job, I'll basically give it away for free. But someone who is working and who can afford it, it would be great if they could help to fund the development because I'm putting a lot of my own money into building it. And this is something that is helping me that I can't, yeah, I'm going to run out of money eventually if I don't get some other people paying for it as well. Well, if you want, I will promote it and every show I do. Oh, that would be amazing. And I'll promote it on my blog as well. So it'll, and I'll push it through all my socials so the community gets word of it. Oh, that would be great. Now, where do you see yourself in five years from now? Mm, in five years' time, yeah, one of the things that is potentially happening is my wife and I would like to have a child. And so that's going to be quite a big adventure if we are able to do that. I think that's going to involve a lot of challenges for me mm. in terms of being able to, yeah, and the emotional side and really working on my filters with a child as well. So there's a lot of personal development that I'm trying to start now to get myself into a state where I could be a good parent. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, now, are you going to be ready if this if your child winds up with ASD? Yeah, that's a consideration because it probably is highly likely, right, that it's quite a hereditary condition. Mm -hmm. And I, that's something that I'm I'm educating myself on. And I, it, it's something that in some ways it would be good if if it happens because I'm equipped, I know what it's like and hopefully I'll be able to help them. It may be a lot better for someone like me to be able to parent a child with autism than, than, a, than two parents who have no experience with it. So we'll see that that could be an interesting chapter. And then I guess work-wise I'd like to hopefully spend a lot more time on focus bear and, and make it something that turns out to, to help a lot more people and potentially the other thing that I have on my radar is I'd eventually like to go back to university and do a PhD. That may be probably towards the end of the five-year period when I'd be ready for that. But I would love to do some research. Now, let me ask you this question. What do you think about the term neurodistinct instead of neurodivergent? 
Ooh, you're distinct. Makes me feel special. <laughs> maybe it, it maybe it it makes me think about the strength side of of both ASD and ADHD. So I like it. It's a bit like there's this other term for ADHD vast where it, it talks about more of the the positive aspects of it as well. And that would be great if people can look at both the advantages and the disadvantages and think about how we can incorporate that into the workplace and broader society. I might borrow that term. Thanks for mentioning yeah. it. No problem. I Yeah, I had a guest on who is, that's his goal is to get rid of the word neurodistinct, neurodivergent, because one, the woman who coined that term wasn't um, neurodivergent at all. She was just an activist. And two, the word neurodivergent, he said, sounded very negative, where distinct has more of a positive tone to it. Mm. Yeah, okay. And I guess there's neurodiverse as well, which is maybe it sounds better than neurodivergent too because neurodivergent it almost makes me think about neurodeviant (laughs) (laughs) neurodistinct is great i'm gonna borrow that and finally where can people find out more about you and focus bear yeah sure for me maybe linkedin is a good way to connect with me I'll share my LinkedIn maybe after the call and Focus Bear is at focusbear.io. And there you have it, everyone. Jeremy Nadel all the way down from Australia, the Focus Bear creator, and much, much more. See you in the next one, everyone. See you there. You and I were hiding in our rooms while the sky burned. Feeling like the bombs outside of flowers Me and you stay Watching through the glass as the moon came Bodies holding hands feeling truly Like our lives are movies I swear we saw the dream, no need to be afraid Someday we'll fall asleep and won't recall things But I just don't agree I love the way we see the world
I love the way you see the world. 